to another episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed. And we are a baseball history podcast. We're doing baseball on our bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher doesn't know what the story pitcher is on the mound throwing them. That's right. And I got the ball today. Yes. And I have the tools of ignorance. 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 You got the ignorance. I've been listening to a lot of John Gibbons today. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got a couple, couple Gibbyisms for you. Uh, but before we start, Edzy, uh, where can the people find us? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram and TikTok at Doing Baseball. And if you want to see the few things I say on Twitter, I'm at Ed's Do Baseball. And I'm at Sean Do Baseball. A lot of, a lot of Blue Jays talk on there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Good stuff all around. Hopefully, uh, hopefully by the time this airs, we're celebrating a, a good stretch for the Jays. But we also have a, a sponsor today. Our sponsor is Two Loons Brewing. You can check them out at twoloonsbrewing.com. You can also find their IPA and lager now. Yeah, they got one for both of us One now, for both of us. We're two baseball loons, and we got two beers now from Two Loons. They also have a bunch of other beers coming. It, it's really exciting. Uh, check them out. Find them at the LCBO if you're in Ontario. Uh, find them at your local bar as well. Ask for them. You know, it's good beer. We like good beer here, and Two Loons Brewing, good beer. Yes, sir. Is that it? I think that's it. Is that all it. their stuff? Normally you say, please oh, drink right. responsibly. I didn't say that last time. I no, didn't you warn didn't. the people to... Uh, Maybe to, I was going to note that after this one. <laughs> but anyways. Right. Yes. Anyways, please drink responsibly. And, and uh, be, be a legal drinking age, yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, all right, I think we're ready to go. Before we go, give us a review. Give us a rating. It, it really helps the podcast. Uh, however you're listening to this, just uh, it gives us a bump. And let us know if you have any story ideas. We're yeah, always we good for that. And thanks for listening. Thank you. All right, you ready to uh, pitch me a story here, Sean Boy? All right. All right, Edzie. So uh, it was a, a little bit coincidental that your last story you told me involved nicknames. When you asked me about nicknames, I almost blurted out this one right away. Okay, well, I'm glad you didn't. I did not. I, I could not. I could sense something, sort of. I, I felt like you were holding your tongue a little bit. A little bit. Uh, but we'll start uh, with Jar George Barclay Mercer, who was born June 20th, 1874, in Chester, West Virginia. The Mercer family uh, included six boys, and they would move a few times, but they would settle across the river in East Liverpool, Ohio. Okay. It was there that George Barclay Mercer earned the moniker he would be forever he would forever be known by. As a teenager, he began to work part-time at a pottery factory. All right. Mer Is that relevant? Yeah, it's very relevant because the pottery factory had a baseball team, Edzie. All right. So it was that time of history. It was that time of history where teenagers were working at pottery factories, yeah. and the pottery factory was probably the best baseball team in town. <laughs> yeah. 
so youthful exuberance, right? So he kind of turns into a teenage phenom pitching for this East Liverpool Pottery Factory team. And he was so good, he was soon known by the nickname Winner Mercer. Winner Mercer. Yeah. That's a great nickname to have. Yep. Over time, uh, Winner Mercer would be shortened and he would be known as Win Mercer. Okay. That's kind of cooler. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. There's also Winnie. Winnie. Were like, Not as cool. Yeah. The they, they went too far. That's what I mean. Win is, win is awesome. But there's, you'll, you'll hear in the newspapers, he's referred to as Winnie once or twice for sure. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a big thing at the end. You'll see. Uh, win was not very big. He was only five foot seven, 140 pounds, but he was a very handsome man. Apparently. All right. So he had dark, messy hair and piercing brown eyes, and he had a clean-shaven baby face in a time when facial hair, like big mutton chops, was like super prevalent on the baseball field. You're right. Okay. So it's the 70s. No, no. He was born in the 70s. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I guess we... Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1893, he headed to New England, uh, in the New England League, to play for Fall River, Massachusetts, as well as Dover, New Hampshire. He would post a 20 and 13 record, uh, but more importantly, Edzie, he was seen. Seen? Like he was seen. He was no longer just a, a oh, he was company. noticed. Yeah, so okay, Gus Schmeltz, who is about to take over the role of the lowly Washington Senators, saw the teenage Mercer pitch and immediately signed him up. Okay. I mean, his name's Wynn, so... Exactly! I mean, he did post a winning record as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so you can probably guess, uh, just by this being our 95th episode, Edzy, the Senators were terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> you can throw a dart at, uh, at uh, you know, yeah. a, a collective Washington Senators schedule, and you're probably going to hit a losing year. Yeah. Um, they had uh, played only three major league seasons and not finished better than ninth. Uh, Gus Schmaltz would be their ninth manager in three years. Oh, my God. So maybe he thought signing someone named Wynn would be a good omen. <laughs> okay. Try anything, I guess, at that point. Yeah. He was sorely mistaken. <laughs> they would... The Senators would start the 19, or sorry, 1894 season with a 3-25 and record. Oh, God. And they would not win their 25th ball game until August 4th of that year. Oh, my God. It's enough to make a dog eat its pups. Yeah, it's, it's garbage. And so yeah. uh, in the misery of this season, though, a bright spot emerged, which was win fucking Mercer. Okay. Tell me about it. So his start with the Senators, just like their start, as you can guess, was not very good because the team mm. started out horribly. Mm. Uh, he made his major league debut. As, uh, he was still a teenager. He was just about to turn 20, two months away, uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies, and the young pitcher got slammed for a 10-2 to loss. Ooh. Welcome to the big leagues. Kid. 100%. So he would go on to lose his first nine outings in the big leagues, but luck would turn his way, and he clearly settled into the league. He would go 17 and 14 the rest of the way, finishing with a respectable 17 and 23 record. Remember, his team fucking was yeah, horrible. That's, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. What was the team record? I don't. 
I don't think I logged it here, but they okay. didn't win more than like forty games. Right. You know, and like it was. And it he was, got how many wins? He got like seventeen. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So forty-five percent of your team's wins. Yeah. So with that horrible team, he pitched three hundred and thirty-six and a third innings with twenty-nine complete games and a respectable three-point-eight-five ERA, which was actually more than respectable at the time, and giving him a, a three-thirty-seven ERA plus. So he's thirty-seven percent better and allowing runs than everybody else in the league. Uh, well, an average person in the league, but the third best, uh, and he was third best in the league at that. I don't know why I went on that tangent. No. Nice. But there's he's more. Doing good. There's no. There is more, Edzy. Okay. Because Win Mercer could hit. Oh shit. He All can, right. He can never hit for power, but you'll hear. He posted a two ninety-one batting average in his rookie campaign with a couple dingers. He was no Shohei, but it looked like the Senators found an all-around baseball star, and they needed anything as they finished 11th that year. Okay. So, 1895 is second. Not, the, the Senators are still bad. Uh, Mercer would suffer a bit of a sophomore slump. His ERA would jump to 442, and he posted a 13-23 and 23 record in just 313 innings this time. Yeah, it's it's paltry. Yeah, three hundred and thirteen injuries. Well, exactly. It's just uh, it's it's not it's a drop off, but it's not that huge of a drop off, especially when you're on a bad team, right? I guess when that's like you know, three hundred innings is like amazingly impressive by today's standards. Oh, I know. Like judging it by different lenses. Yeah, it was really only about twenty three innings that you know less. But yeah, so. not only did Mercer suffer a poor season, he also suffered some poor health at the end of the season and nearly died. So mm. Mercer came, came down with varioloid, a mild form of smallpox, in November 1895. It was thought that the pitcher would not make it, and local officials removed him from his home to place him in quarantine at a local pest house for three weeks. A pest house? Yeah, it's the no, it, like that's what they called where they quarantine people. Yeah, they're like, why oh. don't they just call it a quarantine house? Like, well, why do they gotta give it such a negative <laughs> connotation? <laughs> well, they just put people there that are gonna die. They think, and they're just like, oh no, like don't infect everybody. Don't go near the pest house. Yeah, like it's terrible, <laughs> but it's public health in the 1890s, Edzy. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, that makes sense, but, like... Yeah, it's a terrible terrible. name. Um, Mercer managed to survive, uh, but, you know, he was never in the best health. And once again, you'll kind of come back to that at the end. Um, Finally, with a little luck, Mercer was able to post a winning record, something the Senators would never do with him on the team. So he gets a... So he's got a winning record, but the team still sucks. Yeah, in 1896, at just 22 years old, Mercer would post a 25-18 and record over a career-high 366 and one-third inning pitch. On August 31st of that year, Mercer outdueled Cy Young over 11 innings in front of the home fans as the Senators finally scored to walk it off one to fucking nothing. <laughs> just a duel. Yeah. I mean, it just shows, A, you know, how the length he has to go to get his wins for this team. Yeah. Uh, and, and B, you know, he's, he's, he's pitching against the best in the league and coming out on top. So mm-hmm. he's very good, and the 1897 season would be the highlight of Mercer's career as well as our story today. Okay. 
It was easily Wynn's best ever, though he did not win as many games. But with a 21-20 and 20 record, he would post a 3.18 ERA over 342 innings and lead the league in shutouts. Nice. Yeah. Like, easily, you know, easily, you know, people of the old school would point to the wins and losses and stuff. But just, mm-hmm. like, it was, it was, look at his baseball reference. I think that was his best year. But it is another reason why Mercer is remembered f- for 1897. As noted, Mercer was known for his boyish good looks, along with smarts and outgoing personality. On top of all that, he was extremely bright, and although he was fierce on the field, he was described as gentlemanly and classy off the field. Which, once again, is kind of weird for baseball players at the time. He's like the yeah, baseball they're player. Like, like supposed to be like brash, manly dudes at yeah. the time. That's why they're all bearded bushmen. Yeah, and he's like slight and small and clean shaven and mm-hmm. like he's got this scruffy hair. He's twenty two and he's like la da 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 da. He's like Ronnie Bass in uh, Remember the Titans. Sure, yeah. why not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so where am I here? Uh, he was uh, described as gentlemanly and classy off the field. On the other hand, the grotesquely bad senators were happy to get butts in the seats any way possible, and they turned towards the fair sex. So, they had started having ladies' days at the ballpark on Tuesdays and Fridays, where women would get in free. And remember how rough baseball was at yeah, the they time. Yeah, were, they were, the idea was people won't act as crazy if there's ladies around. Yeah, and also ladies won't come unless we let them in for free. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, okay, I see what you're getting. Well, at. same thing, but you yeah. make a solid yeah. you make a solid point. Uh, addition. So uh, they were trying to find a new audience, and the ladies of Washington D.C. loved young Win Mercer, and it sounds like he loved them too. Okay. <laughs> it was said that the senators would purposely pitch him on Ladies' Day to attract a larger crowd. According to sports writer Fred Lieb, uh, who was also like 14 at this time, so it doesn't... (laughs) Mercer was one of the most handsome players in the game. (laughs) He writes that later. Like, he didn't write that when he was... Like, it doesn't... Anyways, the timelines don't match up for Fred Lieb saying that. But in turn, it sounds as though uh, the 20-nothing-year-old Mercer was quite pleased with the attention he received. And on September 13th, this would end in what was ne- what is known as the Ladies' Day Riot. The Ladies' Day Riot? Yes. All right. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's going to let you down. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> First off. It's going to break your heart, kid. Yeah, don't get too invested in this, but... <laughs> okay. So first off, we're going to talk about the lore behind this, Eds. And then, Eds, I'll tell you what actually took place on this fateful day Almost exactly 125 years ago today. Oh, okay. The legend. So, so, so the, all right, all right. So I'm there's a legend. Yes. The legend is that after Wynn Mercer was ejected for arguing balls and strike, the women at Boundary Field began verbally assaulting umpire Bill Carpenter and bombarded him with displeasure from the stands for him ejecting Mercer. Following a 2-1 to Senator's loss to Cincinnati, the women stormed the field in search of Carpenter. The horde of female fans attacked the umpire. According to the book, The Baseball Hall of Shame, 
And I quote, An army of angry females poured out of the stands. They surrounded Carpenter, shoved him to the ground, and ripped his clothing. Finally, police brought the situation under control. <laughs> so the ladies poured out of the crowd and stripped the umpire? Apparently that happened, if you ask some people, or if you've read uh, Baseball's Hall of Shame, which was, I think, published in the 80s. Okay. But there's more to the legend that, that you'll find if you if you just Google the Ladies' Day Riot. The legend continues that female fans set their sights on the stadium and the ushers, ripping up seats and sending bricks through windows, apparently because Wynn Mercer was ejected in the fifth. It was said that the umpire had to be snuck out in disguise <laughs> as a horde of female rooters were running a They had to department him out of there. <laughs> yeah. They had to dress him as a security guard. But, Eds, there's a problem with legends. <laughs> yeah, well, they're usually exaggerated. Yeah, they're bullshit most of the time. Okay. And in this case, some facts do align with the tall tale that you just heard. But here's what I can say best surmise what really happened. First off, I think the ejection might have been in the third, not the fifth. Either way, first off, the ejection... Uh, is one of the best things I've ever heard in my entire life. So, from the Washington Star, and I quote, Umpire Carpenter missed a couple of good balls, and Winnie lost his temper. As the little umpire started for his position behind the pitcher and was passing Mercer, the latter pulled a pair of blue glasses from his pocket and offered them to him. Carpenter overlooked this little break, but when Mercer opened the goggles and tried to put them on the little arbitrator, the <laughs> latter thought it was about time to maintain the dignity of his position, and the sarcastic twirler was assigned to the bench. <laughs> so. That's great. It's, it's excellent figurative writing about a great scene, what it sounds like. Just what a, what a move to pull the glasses out. But not only just pull them out, to actually, like, attempt to affix them to the umpire's face is the best part. And I also want to know... Probably poked him in the eye. (laughs) I also want to note, it sounds like he was behind the... the, He was calling balls and strike behind the mound, not behind the plate. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they used to do that. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. So, I mean, it was absolutely hilarious. So he, like, turned around on the mound and was, like, trying to... Put these on! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so he gets kicked out of the game. So that's true. Um, uh, but the fan outrage may not have been over the fact that the... But in fact, about a play that took place in the seventh. I'm still trying to figure this out, but I kind of figured it out. Uh, you'll see. I get it in a note form. Um, the Washington Post. And there's a great... I think it was a fan-sided article that, that really you know highlighted this, did all the research here for this to check it out. Uh, so Shriver was at the bat... And seemingly, it was the intention to let him walk, Popper Bi- or to let him walk Popper Bill. This is from the Washington Post, as he is known in fandom. Step out of the box and made a strike. McGuire called Carpenter's attention to the foul strike, but it wasn't allowed. On the next pitch, the batter again stepped out of the box, but did not strike at the ball. You are out, said the umpire. Then there was a long wrangle. He again said. I have said out, and that settles it. Buck Ewing and others of the Reds were entirely calm and pointed out where the decision was wrong. After some thought, the little fellow reversed his decision, a proceeding not often seen, but an amenity, uh, but an amenity correct one. He might have adhered to the first judgment, 
But even at that, the Cincinnati's would have protested the game and it would have been either thrown out or given to the Reds. So he, he calls a Reds guy striked out and then Buck Ewing goes and argues it and then he calls it back. So then no. Win freaks out? Is that yeah. what happens? See, I, I, I jumbled that first sentence. But essentially what they were trying to do was walk Shriver, who's known as Popper Bill. Right. Another amazing nickname. Okay. Um, so here's it in point form. Cincinnati Red batter Shriver. He steps out of the box to swing at pitches, which are essentially an intentional walk. Right. So so he's trying to hit them or trying to strike yeah. out? No, he's trying to hit them. Okay. But in doing so, he steps out of the batter's box. Right. So umpire calls him out for doing that. Right? Right. Oh, okay. I got you now. So the Reds manager is completely calm and just says, well, he stepped out of the box to swing at it, but he didn't make contact. He only is out if he makes contact with the ball if he steps out of the box, Mm -hmm. which I guess is the correct ruling. Yes. So the umpire reverses the call Mm -hmm. and... Says the at-bat can continue? He says the at-bat can continue, Shriver walks, and that leads to the tying run. Oh, okay. I got you. And the crowd doesn't understand what happened. Yeah. They just see that the umpire called the guy out. Then the umpire. Yeah, it's very reminiscent to the yeah. 2015 ALDS that yeah. we were at. That's what we I mean. Had no it, idea what was going on it, when it, even that scored. Quote, that when I read that quote a few times, I was like, I am lost at yeah. what is happening here. But the incensed fans who didn't understand such a nuanced rule began raining down verbal abuse at the official. But as it continues, it was just the women who got physical in the end. <laughs> Okay. The male portion of the spec. This is from the, the, the same article. The male portion of the spectators might have felt like mobbing Carpenter, but they refrained from becoming violent. Not so, however, with women. Crowding around the place where the umpire comes into the grandstand, they awaited him with drawn parasols and upraised fans. <laughs> Upraised fans, like 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 yeah. like wind fans, fan yourself. Yes, yes. Well, it the can... men, I assume, were all just shooting their guns in the air, <laughs> <laughs> which was not considered violent at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so the quote continues: "Just what language was like." would be rather hard to translate, but no further had Carpenter started for the office than he was assailed with whatever the woman had in their hands. One used her fist and was not slow in telling her companions that she came near hitting him in the solar plex. The umpire was too manly to burn upon the women and made rapid strides for his office. (laughs) So he escaped. Yeah. So... But they got some, some good shots in on him, obviously. Yeah. They didn't rip his clothes off. No. And the police did not come. Yeah. Okay. And then they went... Was order restored? Did they yeah, just go back just to their chill. seats? They didn't rip up seats. Yeah. <laughs> Throw bricks through windows that didn't exist in Major League Stadiums back then. And that's true, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's what actually happened, which is still kind of cool. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's relatively calm compared to yeah. the sensationalized... Yeah. And that was it. That was the whole, like, the Washington newspapers. That was the entire extent. was just like, he made a bad call, and then mm. these women attacked him briefly. That, that sounds like the newspapers at that time. They're yeah. just like... But you will find, you'll find the Ladies' Day riot as, like, 
this like moment of like baseball history where this mob of women like went on a rampage and it's just like now they just like beat up an umpire because they were mad about a call and everyone's like it's because they wanted to fuck win mercer and they're like no no they were they were fans of the game yeah. and they were upset they, they with they a just, call that they didn't really understand and not because they were women but because nobody in the fans like stands understood what was happening yeah yeah and do you know what's worse edzy i do it wasn't fucking women's day it was it was they were just regular they, they they weren't there for Women's Day, they were just female fans. They were just there as fans. Yeah, so it's like kind of this like so they per- like had this weird article that was trying to like sully like the name of like women going to baseball games. Oh, you can find. I honestly found a men's rights website that had a write up on 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 this riot and being like, what "See, women are fucking crazy and they only want to fuck baseball. Like that's why they go to the games. It's it's it's, it's just <laughs> terrible, terrible. That's you- bullshit. Exactly. If it was a Monday and ladies. Day was Tuesdays and Fridays. We've already established that. <laughs> so that's it. So unfortunately, as I noted, the, the the legend carries some mild to overt sexist connotations, as mm-hmm. it was like passed down through history. Yeah. And the story is framed and perpetuated as a riot caused by horny female fans incest they couldn't watch their favorite boy toy on the mound, when in fact it was a moment of anger following a controversial call much later in the game that caused the brief flurry of violence from a small group of women in the crowd. Yeah. Well, they couldn't write an article about how they were like actually fans. I guess that would like be you know well and counterproductive also, to whatever fucking stupid agenda they had. But. And th- and this is we've heard of fan violence on this podcast a thousand times. This is e- extremely that's mild. I'm, that's why I made the reference to the guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's extremely mild comparatively to yeah. like some of the action. Yeah. Anyways, it gets exaggerated. That's my whole point to this. Okay, well, uh, thank you for setting the record straight. Thank you. So, back to Mercer's career. He got uh, more interesting around this time as he became more of a two-way player for the Senators. Okay. Uh, he had seen a bit of time in the field in his first few years, collecting 75 innings in the outfield and 69 in the infield from his debut through the 1897 season. But in 1898, Wynn began to lose, and the Senators, uh, and so he lo- he put a 18 at 12 and 18 record for the Senators with a 4.81 ERA over 233 and a third innings pitched, but he hit 317, and in yeah yeah they basically were just like fuck that like you're gonna play you're every- just gonna hit. Well, you're not just going to hit, but you're going to you're going to focus on being a, a position player mostly yeah. this year. So he's basically that's, a utility man when he's not like on. You should. Yeah. So uh, he played 48 games in the field with the Senators. Uh, he mainly played shortstop and center field. He hit 321 in 277 plate appearances, which was good enough for a 119 OPS plus. That's pretty good. Yeah. Still. Not bad. The Senators sucked. sucked. <laughs> yeah, and in uh, 1899 uh, would be this iteration uh, last, uh, as the National League would contract from 12 to 8 teams. So Washington folds. Yeah, uh, they're like, uh, you guys aren't, you're not a major league team. <laughs> yeah. just, here's some money going. Yeah, so in the Senators, in their last season uh, in 1899, Mercer pitched just 23 games, putting up a 4.6 ERA in 186 innings, 
Uh, Mercer had never really thrown hard, but it was rumored his like heavy workload early in his career had had an effect on his downturn on the hill. Okay. Because remember, he's still young at this point, right? Yeah. He's like 25, 26. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's just like, he's got a good curveball. Everybody's talked about his curveball and stuff. Um, but at this point, Washington's just like, ooh, you can hit. So he plays 62 games at third base. He hits 299 and put up career highs in stolen bases, hits, RBIs, walks, and triples. Nice. So the next year, he doesn't have a team, but he's snatched up by the New York Giants, who unfortunately also sucked. This is a trend. Oh. This is a trend for win. Okay. An ironic trend. Some, sometimes that happens with guys, you know? Yeah. Uh, they would fringe player that just gets keeps getting a chance on a crappy team. Well, he's not really a fringe. Remember, he like broke through and he was like yeah, a big. That's true. I guess he was yeah. a big star for a couple of years, especially you know he just kind of his pitching's fallen off, but his team sucked. Yeah, that's right. What am I saying? He was good, not a yeah. shit team. Yeah. The Giants wanted him for a while too, but the Giants suck and they finished eighth of eighth in that new eight team league, or that re reorganized eight-team league mm-hmm. and the 19 season 1900 season was painful for giants fans as it featured a 12-game losing streak at the end of june and into july so Ooh, just once again um mercer pitched in 33 games third most on the team he posted a decent 3.86 era near over nearly 243 innings pitched he got into 43 games as a fielder, mainly at third base and outfield, and hit 294 in 279 plate appearances during the 1900 season. After that season, uh, Mercer jumped ship and headed back to the capital. The new American League began signing players for 1901, and Mercer used this opportunity to sign back with the new iteration of the Washington <laughs> Senators. Maybe it'll be good this time. Yeah. <laughs> Mercer's just 27, and I'm sure hoped to start seeing more success individually and by his teams on the field. Remember, like, he's just never been on a team that's, like, good. Yeah. But unfortunately, this would never happen. <laughs> and it would never be the case. Even with the nickname, George Mercer would never play for a winning team in the major leagues. Mm. Mercer struggled in his return to Washington, posting a 4.56 ERA over 22 starts and 24 total appearances. He hit 300 with a 402 on base percentage in 171 ABs, but the American League Senators finished sixth with a 61-72 and five record. He even played some first base and right field that season, making him to have played every position but catcher in the major leagues. Ah, that's pretty impressive. So he pitcher, third, shortstop, second, just first, moved just him all, over, all the over the place. I was gonna say like with that one team like put him right at two premium positions right off the bat, shortstop and center. Well, it sounds like that, like, iteration of the center. Like, they just didn't know what to do with him, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you're a great pitcher. And then as soon as he started to suck a little bit, they were like, no, you... We'll try you over here now. Yeah, so this might have fucked with him a little bit. Like, in hindsight, I'm looking back 125 years later, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe that wasn't the best for him. Yeah. Um, And and it's probably best he got out of out of Washington. So new management would come in, and during the offseason, Mercer was sold to the Detroit Tigers. There, he was used only as a pitcher, and at 28, he would revamp his career on the mound as he posted a 5.9 B-War as just a pitcher. Jesus. Like, he 
phenomenal season. And I'll, I'll quote from William Kin Saber bio. His 15 victories led Detroit. Moreover, his 3.04 ERA was the best of his career. That year, he had the pleasure of pitching a one-hitter and a two-hitter against his former teammates. Four shutouts were second in the league to Adios. Following the 1902 season, Detroit announced that Mercer would be its manager the next year at a salary of $3,800. Oh, shit. So uh, he's, he's thought of a good baseball mind, too, obviously, if they're naming him the manager. He's like 28. Yeah, player manager, obviously. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he basically goes to Detroit. He shoves. He puts up a career best. And they're like, we're going to give you money, and you're the manager now. <laughs> Who's pitching? Me. Me. <laughs> Who's pitching tomorrow? Me. <laughs> yeah. So everything seemed to be coming up Millhouse for Mercer. And to top it all off, when Mercer was about to settle down, as he got engaged to Martha Porter from his hometown that year, and the two were planning their wedding. Oh, that's nice. It is very nice. <laughs> Yes, very nice. I don't like the way you're saying how it's nice. Okay, it's nice. Um, <laughs> that offseason, along with friend Tip O'Neill, he would arrange a barnstorming tour out west. It wasn't like they didn't, he was like the treasurer and stuff. He would like help to organize this. I forget, uh, you know, one of those guys uh, is, is doing it. But anyways, uh, a team of all-American league players took on a team of national leaguers all the way between Chicago and Los Angeles. Once the teams arrived in California, uh, they split up with each team playing exhibitions against local clubs. The tour went off seemingly without a hitch, and the clubs regrouped in San Francisco for a few days in mid-January 1903 to rest before heading back home. But Mercer would not return home. Oh, God. So that's, that's not some good, that doesn't sound like good foreshadowing. No, not good foreshadowing. So this is from Akin Saber. So it's like a this is like an all star game that goes on tour essentially. Yeah, they got the National League guys and the American League guys. They yeah. play each other, right? And then they get to California and they split up, and it was all culminated in this this you know I think they were playing in San Francisco. But they're like, oh, okay, we're like the thing's all done, we're good, yay. All right, see you at home. Well, no, they were all staying in a hotel together and like before their travel home. Right. Oh, uh, okay. And I'll you. pick up from a, a, a kin saber bio again. It was then, on January 13th, 1903, that Mercer left the teams at the Lang Langham Hotel and registered at the Occidental Hotel under the name George Murray of Philadelphia. After penning several notes, he ran a tube from the gas jet into his mouth and asphyxiated himself. Oh, well, that took a turn. George Murray? I guess he was doing it because he was going to kill himself, but... Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. George Barclay Mercer, known as Wynn, was dead at the age of 28. Oh, I don't even know what to say. That's awful. He, so he went to a different hotel. Yeah. And, and they had a, the gas line off. Yeah, because they had gas lighting at the time. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so yeah. he like, you know, runs a tube and yeah, eats yeah, it, chokes on the, yeah, on the yeah, gas. Yeah. yeah, I got you. It's terrible. It uh, sucks. Yeah. For, uh, it gets more graphic. Uh, heads oh, up. Uh, New York Times. The watchman of the hotel, in making his rounds, detected the odor of gas coming from Mercer's room and broke down the door. Mercer was on the bed with his coat and waistcoat covering his head. The tube ran from the gas jet into his mouth. Among the papers found in the room was one which read, Tell Mr. Van Horn 
of the Langham Hotel that Winnie Mercer has taken his life. Okay. Why the hotel guy? Uh, I, I, so tell the other guys, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's an awful lot to put on a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let this guy know. He'll know what to do. Oh, terrible. <laughs> anyway, so it was reported that there were three suicide notes lying on the table in the room, mm-hmm. allegedly written by Mercer. And I'll quote from the Sporting News. Uh, it was about a week after Mercer's death. He left three letters on a table addressed respectively to his mother, his sweetheart, both of East Liverpool, Ohio, and one to Tip O'Neill, who managed the Eastern teams on their tour of the coast. In these letters, Mercer attributes his rash act to women who he says got the better of him, but further than this offers no explanation. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, Eds. It's very interesting. (laughs) Are you going to expand on it? Kinda. Okay. Um, in one of the letters contained the ominous line, A word to friends, beware of women, and game of chance. And a game of chance. Sorry, fuck, I fucked that up. <laughs> beware of women, and a game of chance. So he was a gambler and a womanizer? He that, absolutely was a gambler and a womanizer. Okay. But here's the problem. People knew that he was a gambler and a womanizer. Yeah. Like, his womanizing was, as we noted, well yeah. documented. Yes. He was a young man. There was nothing really wrong with that, unless mm-hmm. you were a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, you know, so reasons and the circumstances surrounding his death are still debated, I guess you could say, to this day. We're he doing wa- it right now. <laughs> I guess we are. <laughs> yeah. He was a gambler and had also been known to suffer from bouts of depression uh it was rumored that he had gambled away all of the team's barnstorming profits including other players salaries but this would apparently turn out to be untrue so i'll go back to the saber bio um adios became a close friend of mercer's on the trip and accompanied the body back to east liverpool according to yas biographer scott longhurt Joss received uh, the share of the tour proceeds, a healthy $600. Had Mercer gambled away the player's money, Yas would have received nothing. So that's the evidence. Okay. All the players are like, we got paid. What are, yeah, you, what yeah. are you talking about, right? Or maybe me may have gambled away his own money. He might have gambled away his own money. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. But no matter the case, even if he had not lost the t- his teammates' money, there is a chance that he ran afoul with gamblers which either led to his suicide or possibly his moida. His moida. <laughs> okay. So in The Lifetimes and Tragic Death of Pitcher Wynn Mercer by Jimmy Keenan, the last chapter asks exactly that and does show some interesting evidence that could show foul play. His mother says, uh, his mother claimed her letter said, uh, and I quote, say goodbye to my brothers and sisters, which was odd. Because if you remember, Wynn only had brothers. True. It, yes. was, it was also reported that the letters were signed Winnie. Once, once again, we quoted from a newspaper that said it was signed Winnie. Uh-huh. A name Mercer never used, which, as you pointed out, is the, 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 the least of the, the, yeah, it's the, the nickname. It's the least cool one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry to the Winnies out there. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so he never used... Just compared to Win, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah anyways. Yeah, but yeah. But he never... Neither, uh, neither here nor there. Apparently he, he wrote letters all the time. 
and especially and never sign them as Winnie. Exactly, exactly. It's huh. so it is possible that Mercer was in fact killed, or you know his suicide. Yeah, his stage. Like essentially, like maybe someone got away with murder. There's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance. Was George Murray actually George Mercer? Probably the first name, you know. Yeah. Everybody, you know, it just kind of makes sense. That's where my mind went, was he just used a fake name. Yeah. So people wouldn't know who he was. Or yeah. at least people at the desk, maybe. Yeah. I uh, don't know. His mother, Maggie, uh, refused to accept her son's death as a suicide, adding that someone had recently assaulted Wynn looking for $8,000. Oh, Okay. <laughs> And There's an interesting piece of evidence. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This Circumstantial is, as it be, but... So the San Francisco police are like, yeah, we should probably look into this. Okay. <laughs> uh, and they did investigate further, and, you know, they end up basically finding the... the it's called a druggist, I guess. It's like the pharmacy... Basically... The pharmacy guy. Yeah, where he bought the hose that he... Oh, okay. And they were like, did this guy buy that hose? And they were like, yep. <laughs> they were like, okay. All right, he did it. <laughs> yeah, ex- so they were like, yeah, the death was a suicide. The, yeah. Know, they determined that based on that. Once again, kind of, sus- like, there's some... Sort of, but I don't know. It's somewhat a more... De- it's a more determining factor, anyway. I say, if you are suffering from depression and thoughts of suicide, please talk to somebody. It's always good. And as I said, don't mean to make light, because it's very sad. Yes. Um, and Mercer's death still leads us with nothing but questions, but looking back at his career, he put up a 3.98 ERA over nine years in the big leagues and accumulated 27.2 baseball war in that time. He accumulated most of that through pitching, but still Mercer put up a eight, uh, eight, 285 batting average and a 344 on base percentage as a hitter. Decent numbers. And he had no power, but, you know. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Not everyone has to have power. Yeah, he's no Shohei, but he was a legit two-way player. Mm -hmm. And he was above average on both sides of the ball. His hitting sometimes was below average. Um, But he never found success, even given the name, uh, and never even really got to play any like meaningful September baseball in his big league career. Mm, that's disappointing. The ball players in San Francisco played a benefit game for Mercer's mother before returning home. When Mercer's remains would be escorted back to Ohio by his friends and teammates Dick Harley and Addie Yoss. An estimated 4,000 people attended his funeral, with over 6,000 showing up to pay respect at his family home. He wow. was, yeah, he was. He's well loved. Yeah, I mean, he's a small town guy, and like apparently, like the the East Liverpool house, not far from where he was born as well. So, mm-hmm. he was put to rest in the Spring Grove Cemetery in East Liverpool, Ohio. He was given the moniker "Win" because he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, but was never able to find a winning team. Win Mercer died too young, and who knows how many more productive years he would have put up in the majors or how he would have been as a manager. And that is the story of wow. when. That's a wild, sad story. It started out kind of positive and then took a dark turn. And, you know, that, I don't know what to say about it, really. Just, it really just <laughs> hits a, hits a, it jumps off a cliff yeah, there. Yeah, it's other, you know. It's a, it's, yeah, it's, as I say, it sounded I like everything know. was perfect, but, yeah. uh. 
but yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, I also, you know, just want to point out and correct that history on the ladies day riot, but absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've totally forgot about that <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Thank you for setting the record straight on the ladies day riot. A hundred percent. But I mean, when Mercer, you know, he's 28 and you know, who knows what, you know, he could have been a, he could have been a hall of famer. He probably wouldn't have been a hall of famer, but he well, was, he, uh, I mean, he may have had like a somewhat more uh i mean not for lack of a better term remarkable i guess maybe more noteworthy career if like he didn't play for if he played for someone other than the crappy crappy senators maybe you know we uh would have a, a more he would have a more prevalent position in baseball history yeah it's so ironic the nickname for the like, yeah. you know you know the team said he played for is ironic and i want to say just to, to end this too as well so jimmy keenan who wrote the uh, in the lifetimes and tragic death of pitcher win mercer which everybody should buy uh you know there was an interview with him i read that he basically says uh, of the people i've talked to 60 percent say it's a suicide 30 percent say it's a murder and 10 percent say it's inconclusive Okay. That's it's expected, I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> who I'm knows? I'm not sure what I think. Well, no matter what, it's just sad, but uh he was a he was a True. a good pitcher with a good nickname. Mm-hmm. And yeah, where can the people find us, Edzie? You can find us uh, on <laughs> Sorry, Twitter. I made you yeah, so just, sad. You made me so sad. I didn't even like, know, had a comment on this story. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram and TikTok at Doing Dot Baseball. And uh, whatever platform you found us uh, on, thanks for listening. Give us a rating, give us a review, and uh, Two Loons Brewing. Fantastic yep. beer. Check them out. Uh, they got a IPA and a lager. Lager coming out soon. Lager out last uh, it came two weeks out last ago. time. Yeah. So I, thanks yeah. for that. Thanks for that. I threw you through a loop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I will finish this off for us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, uh, you know, tune in in two weeks. We'll give you some more baseball history. Give us a review, rating, whatever. Find us on the internet. I'm Sean and I'm Ed, and we were doing the baseball. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.